So we are blessed tonight to have Anita Rodell come and continue in our First Peter series. Anita's part of our preaching team, and so I just want to pray for her and pray God's anointing and blessing on her as she brings the word to us tonight. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, uh, you are alive. You are risen. You are moving. This is your world. We are your people. This is a time and a place that you have set apart. And whether we recognize it or not, we're on holy ground. As your presence is here by your spirit and as your image is being reflected among us and image bearers all around us. So God, I thank you for Anita. God, I thank you for her willingness to step into teaching and preaching today. God, I know you have been at work in her in the preparation process. I pray, Holy Spirit, your anointing on her mind and heart and lips and words that we would be built up and that we would encounter the risen Christ through the word tonight. So God, we know your word is good. We know your word does not return void. And we ask God that the soil of our hearts would be good soil to receive it and bear fruit tonight. Would you speak now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. These lights are like, wow. Um, so a couple things real quick. Jessica and I did not plan um, our outfits. Um, and then if you're wondering, where's Randy? Um, he has my permission. Um, <laughs> and I preached it to him last yesterday to practice. So um, he is actually at Sounders game with um, Matt, Aiden, and Miles Butelman. And when, my, or when Matt asked, no, when Randy asked Matt if they wanted to go, Matt says, uh, isn't that the day your wife is preaching? And Randy says, yep, I have special dispensation. I think that's the right word. So Matt says, well, does that also cover me? <laughs> yes, Matt, it covers you too. Um, all right, let's get into the... Uh, so we've been going through First Peter and that tagline off the map. Um, so I'm I'm just going to jump in and um, start reading. So it's um, chapter five, verses six through eleven. So if you want to turn there, find it on your phone. I think it's going to pop up. There it is. Um, that's part of it, anyway. Um, so humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. I'm going to read the last part. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So um, thank you, Kyle and Jessica, for singing and help leading us in songs about the king and about how he is exalted forever and ever. Uh, so I do want to start at the end 
today with that word dominion and just want to make sure that we remember that another word for dominion is kingdom um, and that God's dominion is the place where he reigns. Um, so here's what I want us to remember today. Um, I think this moment, yes. That God's dominion forever and ever should inform our humility under God's mighty hand, our battle with the enemy, and the suffering of God's people. So back to that first, first part, first couple of verses. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Last week, Megan walked us through verse 5, and she talked about being humble toward each other. She gave us that picture of the servant putting on the apron to serve others. And that is how we relate to each other as sisters and brothers in Christ. Now, Peter is talking about how we relate to God. It's the idea of being vulnerable before God and recognizing that we are totally dependent on God for everything. When I first read that phrase, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, I just got this picture of this huge, strong hand, right? And, it was, it, and it's almost like that hand would be capable of crushing something. But God's mighty hand is not used to crush his people. His mighty hand is used to rescue his people and to redeem his people. Now, Peter's audience would have recognized that phrase, mighty hand of God, as connected to the nation of Israel. The phrase is found several times in the Old Testament, um, in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Uh, and it's connected to God rescuing the nation of Israel from slavery. So Deuteronomy 5.15 says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. God rescues people from slavery. He rescues people from physical slavery. That is good news. And he rescues people from slavery to sin. That is good news. Also, in the Old Testament, we see in Ezekiel 20, I, don't, I didn't put this on there, um, but... Uh, in Ezekiel 20, that God's mighty hand is responsible for purifying the nation of Israel. It talks about his mighty, with a mighty hand, he will be king over them. He will gather Israel out of the countries where they were scattered and will also purge out the rebels from among them. God allowed Israel to experience suffering and hardships. He allowed attacks from the devil both within the nation of Israel but also from without. And he did that in order to make them his people, to make them a holy people. He was rescuing them, the nation of Israel, and redeeming them for an eternal purpose, which we know was fulfilled in Jesus. Now, Jesus knew God the Father and trusted him perfectly, and he is our perfect example of that humility we find this instruction to be humble in Paul's letter to the Philippians. 
as well. So Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, putting on that apron, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There is a glorious purpose behind the humbling, and we are Jesus's purpose, right? He went to the cross for us so that we could have relationship with, with God, right? And then as you continue, Philippians verse 9 at the end of, from that previous slide, um, it says, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Well, now let's go back to 1 Peter. And it says, the purpose for why we are humbled under the mighty hand of God, it says, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. As Megan talked about last week, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He will work in our lives to transform us from prideful, selfish people into that position of humility under God's mighty hand. We have been called, God is at work in believers, that we would, like Jesus, be humbled under God's mighty hand. We can live in this humble state knowing that God's dominion is forever and ever. That means now and later. Um, in another letter that Paul wrote, Ephesians, I talk about Ephesians a lot, just so you know, um, it talks about how we are exalted. Chapter 2, verse 6 says, we have been raised up with Christ and are seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's a now thing. We have access to the Father um, through Jesus Christ. Um, and then also, there's also in John chapter 17, it gives us a definition of what eternal life is. It says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The more I live humbly under God's mighty hand, the more I experience eternal life right now, knowing God. But there's more to come. At the proper time, he will fully exalt us. Now, I so appreciate that Peter adds this phrase, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Fear can get in the way of us being humble and being and us serving each other. Fear can cause me to withdraw, um, to hide or not engage. Um, but God wants us to be open and vulnerable with him about our fears and our worries. Can I handle this humbling process? <laughs> yep, because God cares for me. He loves me. What if I duck a conversation because I fear what others will think of me. God loves me. 
He cares for me. If we grasp how much God loves us, that right there is eternal life. Peter knows that even when we fail, even when our fears take over, Jesus loves us. Peter, out of fear for his own life or reputation, remember, he denied Christ three times. But, as Peter is writing this letter now, he knows the restoration work of God that took place in himself, right? He knows that God cares for us. Because God's dominion is forever and ever, and we are called to his eternal glory in Christ, we can live humbly under God's mighty hand. So as we continue, we're going to look at the next section here. It says, verse 9, says, Be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. The truth that God's dominion is forever and ever gives us confidence to live humbly, but also to resist the devil's attacks. Now, if you look back earlier in chapter 5 um, that Paul preached on a couple weeks ago, um, Peter uses the imagery of a shepherd and sheep. Um, and uh, so the next slide, I think, um, this Karen Jobs, or Jobs, however you say her name, says this, when a lion is on the prowl, neither the shepherd nor the sheep sleep, but both are alert and watchful. The goal of the devil is to devour, a graphic depiction of his desire to annihilate the Christian and collectively the church by assimilating them back to the evil ways of the world. When Peter says, be sober-minded and watchful, he is telling us to be aware that we have an enemy and to be mindful of how he works so that we can resist him. So how does he work? Well, first, please remember that Satan is not allowed to do anything apart from God's permission. God's dominion has been established. Jesus' work on the cross is finished. Our enemy has been defeated, and yet we're called to resist him. We still live in this world where Satan is still allowed to roam. So I'm going to look at a couple of passages um, here. The, uh, the first one is from Revelations, and that word adversary that we see in 1 Peter, it's a, it's a legal term. Um, and so Revelations 12 says this, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. Right? He's accusing us. Um, he will tempt us to do things, and then he'll rub our noses in it, right? Um, thank goodness we have Jesus. The devil will, tries to discourage us. He lies to us. 
John 8:44 says this, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He twists the word of God, right? We saw this in uh, Eve and Adam in the garden when he said, did God really say? So how do we resist? We resist by turning to God's word, by listening to his Holy Spirit, and by inviting other believers into that resistance with us. When Jesus was faced with uh, temptations in the desert, um, he used scripture to resist the devil. And verses that I have memorized or at least have read several times, they often come back when I need them, and the Holy Spirit brings them to mind. Um, you may have heard the saying, all I have ne ever needed to know I learned in kindergarten. Well, I would say that I learned the greatest truth even before kindergarten. My first theology lessons came from the songs that my mother and grandmother sang to me even before I could sing. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. When Satan tries to bring doubt about whether God truly loves me right now, who I am right now, the Holy Spirit brings this childhood song back to mind. If I want to be ready, if we want to be re ready to resist the devil's attacks, then we need to know God's truth. We need to be in his word, right? And I have sisters and brothers in this room who have reminded me of truth and have pointed out and said, Anita, you're believing a lie right now. And I am so thankful for you. We can stand with each other and help each other resist. Um, I want to look at Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, because there's a similar command here, right, to resist. So it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer 
and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Because God's dominion is forever and ever, his kingdom has been established, it is here, and it will go on for eternity. We can live humbly under God's mighty hand. We can resist the attacks from the devil. And finally, we can stand with each other through suffering. Now, we have brothers and sisters around the world resisting the devil's attacks and experiencing severe persecution because of their faith in Jesus. Often, when I read the Bible, I read it like a white American, very individualized. Um, But this past week, the Holy Spirit reminded me that I am a part of the body of Christ. I am a part of the church, and it is worldwide. And I might not be feeling like I'm suffering right now, that I'm feeling persecuted right now for my faith, but the body of Christ is, our sisters and brothers around the world are. Last Sunday, a small group met at Karima and Parfait's house, and we um, spent time praying that the mighty hand of God would protect would uplift believers in Afghanistan and Haiti and Lebanon who are being attacked and suffering greatly. Now, in just a few minutes, I'm going to give us an opportunity to do that same thing um, and pray for our sisters and brothers around the world. But first, I want to look again at that dominion. So let's look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So this is, I want a little audience participation here. Okay? Um, I want to ask you, what does the kingdom of where God has dominion forever and ever, what does it look like? What does it not look like? What is God's kingdom? What does that mean? How is it different than the world's kingdom? Room for everybody. I love it. No exclusions. The last will be first. Yeah. No injustice. Yeah. Compassion, mercy, no injustice. Yes. Yeah, beautiful. God's kingdom is one where we have full fellowship with him. We know him. We love him. We love each other perfectly. When God's kingdom comes full, right? I believe that in God's kingdom, I will get to live fully using my gifts 
in creative ways that perfectly help the world and people to grow and flourish. In God's kingdom, we get to live in harmony, complete unity with our sisters and brothers. Peace, joy, love, justice. That future is both now and later. God is at work to restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. When we first started going through 1 Peter, I just kind of read through the whole book, and I realized, I saw that the phrases God of all grace and will himself restore, they were already underlined in my Bible from I don't, sometime in the past. Um, but they, they caught my attention again, especially the will himself restore. Um, now, you may not have noticed, but um, for the past year, I have stepped back a lot from church-related things. I needed to step back in order to have time to grieve and mourn. But I also was experiencing real discouragement and feeling defeated. But the Holy Spirit graciously helped me see that my period of grief and mourning, that feeling of feeling defeated and discouraged in the church would not last forever. He has things for me to do, and I am confident that he is working to restore me in this season. God is the master craftsman. Okay, so I love watching those TV shows where they take an old rundown house. We have some remodelers right over here. <laughs> um, you can go to Instagram and see their <laughs> what they've done. Um, but you know, when they take that old rundown house and they restore it, right? It is now better than it was originally. It has been strengthened. The foundations are made solid. Modern improvements have been made. Now, when I watch those shows, I love to just watch the first part and, find, and see what decrepit, old, rundown house they decide to buy. And then I like to just skip the middle and go to the end and watch the reveal. Um, and if you do that, you can see a house go from decrepit to glorious in about 15 minutes. But how long did it actually take? Months, right? And in the middle, that house went through a lot of suffering. Clearing out the old cabinets, stripping the paint off, ripping out old plumbing and wiring, walls taken out. In the middle, progress was slowed while waiting for permits. Have you ever waited for a permit? They can take forever. Believers, as the house of God, we are under construction. God is at work restoring, confirming, strengthening, and establishing us. We can live with confidence even in the midst of that restoration chaos because the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, 
and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. His kingdom is forever. That's where the confidence comes from. Because God's dominion is forever and ever, and we are called to his eternal glory in Christ, we can live humbly under God's mighty hand. We can resist attacks from the devil, and we can stand with each other through suffering. Suffering that's just for a little while compared to eternity. So as we finish up here, I do want us to spend some time praying for our sisters and brothers who are experiencing great persecution, um, hunger, sickness around the world, that they would remember that God cares for them, that they would know how and when to resist the devil's attacks, that they would be firm in their faith and confident in their eternal glory in Christ. And what I'm going to ask you to do is just kind of gather with people around you, turn in your chairs a little bit. Um, and I would encourage you to use passages like 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11, and use that to pray for people. You could um, use the um, armor of God from Ephesians 6 passage. And then the other, those other two from Ephesians are a couple of my favorites when I'm wanting to pray for people, um, so you could look those up. Um, if you are feeling attacks from the devil, um, please say something to the group of people around you. Just make it brief. Um, you know, you could say, I need prayer against feeling discouraged right now. Or you could say, I'm battling a lie about God's love for me right now. And then someone in the group will pray for you. Also, if you know of other places around the world um, where, where people are being persecuted or experience persecution for their faith, um, just let your group know. Um, I know Ethiopia um, is suffering right now. Um, Syria, refugee camps, Afghanistan. Um, so I'm going to leave these up here so that you can use them if you want to. And then um, Kyle will come up and he'll begin playing some music to kind of give you a signal when uh, we're going to transition to worshiping through song and communion. So turn in your chairs.